0: Welcome to Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Please enjoy today's message. All right, say it with me. We are a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world, where every member is a minister and a church alive is worth the drive. Amen. Well, this morning I'd like to talk to you about facing the lions in our lives. And by way of introduction, I want to share some things that the Holy Spirit taught me about a man by the name of Benaiah. He had the distinction of slaying a lion in a pit in the time of snow. That's a relatively obscure passage of Scripture, but there are people out there that have preached on it. Amen. I deliberately didn't listen to any of them because I wanted to hear what the Holy Spirit was saying to me about this passage. And I had a recent encounter with lions, which I'll share as the message progresses, which led me to search out this scripture, and the Lord just opened it up for me, and I'm going to open it up for you this morning. Amen? 1 Samuel 23, verse 20, in the King James Version. And Beniah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kabzael, who had done many acts, he slew two lion-like men of Moab, He went down also and slew a lion in the midst of a pit in time of snow. Amen. An enigmatic, obscure passage that most people pass over, but it's filled with revelation, as I'm going to share with you this morning. First of all, who was Benaiah? Benaiah, if you study it out, you find out that he was one of 37 men that the Bible declares as King David's mighty men of valor. So he was known. But this particular verse, I don't hear it preached very often, so you're going to hear it here this morning. And if you've heard somebody else preach it, you might hear something a little bit different this morning. Anyway, these mighty men of valor were known for their extraordinary bravery and their legendary exploits. Benaiah was the leader of the Cherethites and the Pelethites, the king's personal bodyguard, a band of men who came from lands that were conquered by King David. But these men nevertheless switched their allegiance to King David and became very loyal to the king and to his kingdom. Benaiah and the Cherethites and the Pelethites remained loyal to King David through some of the darkest days of his reign including the the rebellion of his son Absalom, the rebellion of Sheba, not to be confused with the queen of Sheba, and the rebellion of Adonijah, also David's son. Dark days, but Benaiah and his men were with him through it all. Benaiah was the son of Jehoiada. The name Jehoiada comes from a compound form of two Hebrew words, the word Jehovah, which means the existing one, or the eternal God, and the word yada, which means to know in an intimate way. Remember in Genesis 4.12, it says that Adam knew Eve, and she bore a son. That word there, knew, is the word yada. So the next time you hear somebody go yada, 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 you tell them, be careful what you're saying there. You don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) He's talking about an intimate relationship between a man and his wife, and between a man and his God. Amen. So, Yehoiada means known of God. Known of God. Not just known like known, but known in an intimate way. In other words, God knew Yehoiada intimately, and Yehoiada knew him intimately. Amen. And when you have a relationship like that, you birth things in the spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Remember, in the Bible days, godly parents named their children prophetically and expected them to live up to the meaning of their names given to them by their father. So I can just see it where whoever Jehoiada's father was, he said, you shall be called Jehoiada. You shall be called known of God. And he prophesied that he would become known of God and also the reverse, that he would also know God. And I have no doubts whatsoever that the reason Beniah's father, Jehoiada, was such a mighty man of God was because he had an intimate relationship with Jehovah God. Amen? That's what the source of his power was, like Samson. It was the anointing of God that made him such a strong and mighty warrior. In the same sense, Jehoiada, Beniah's father, was a mighty warrior because he knew God. He knew God in an intimate way. And as I said before, those who know God and cultivate an intimate relationship with him will birth offspring, both natural and spiritual, which will continue a spiritual legacy that was imparted to them by their fathers and mothers in the faith. Amen. Along these lines, listen to what the Apostle Paul said to his protege, his son in the faith, Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 5 through 7. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So just in those two verses, you see that there was a spiritual heritage passed on to Timothy from his grandmother, through his mother, but also added to with an impartation from the Apostle Paul. Amen. And then verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, let me get on my soapbox for just a few minutes here. I hear this verse quoted all the time, and most of the time it's quoted out of context. I want to tell you that the context is this. Your spiritual fathers and your spiritual mothers who have passed a spiritual heritage to you will encourage you to stand up and operate in the gifts and callings of God on your life without fear. Amen? With courage. With fearlessness. Amen? So you need to remember when you hear that verse, it's talking about receive your spiritual heritage and stir up the gifts of God That he has put in you. And don't be afraid to operate in those gifts and callings in your life. Don't be timid. Don't be afraid. Just like Jehoiada was a mighty warrior. Be a mighty warrior in the faith. And stand up and operate in your gifts and callings like God intended you to. Amen. Amen. Don't be afraid. So it's important for us to remember our spiritual heritage. We need to be like Jehoiada, who passed on a legacy of courage, a legacy of fearlessness when it comes to operating in the gifts and callings that God has called us to pursue. Amen. Jehoiada and his son Benaiah were from Kabzael, which was a city on the southernmost frontier of Judea, with fierce enemies, Edom to the south and Moab to the east. These lands were not conquered until David became king. So prior to that conquest, and probably a good while after, the men of Kabzael had to be the most highly skilled and courageous warriors available, willing to take on the best that Edom and Moab would bring against them, because they were defending the southernmost frontier of the land of Judea. Interestingly enough, the Hebrew word Kabzael means God gathers. And indeed, God equipped and gathered the best warriors in the land to Kabzael to be the chief defenders of the southern frontier of Judea. Isn't that awesome? I bet you never knew there was that much in this verse. So what does the name Benaiah mean? The name Beniah, similar to the name Jehoiada, comes from a compound form of two Hebrew words. Bana, which means to build, and Yah, which is a shortened form of Jehovah. Put the two together, and the name Beniah means built by Jehovah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Beniah was built by Jehovah. He was made to fight. He was made to be a mighty warrior by Almighty God Himself. Amen. He was destined to conquer the enemies of God. Did you know if you're born again and filled with the Spirit of God, you're just like Beniah. You're built by God. You're just like God. You were made for this. You were born to fight the good fight of faith. Amen. And everybody knows that a good fight is a fight that you win, right? Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty happy already. You know, we could stop right now and I would trip out of here buzzing and feeling great about God's greatness and God's goodness and God's power in my life. Amen. So the first thing that Benaiah did mentioned in this verse is he slew two lion like men of Moab. If you look at the Hebrew word there, it's the Hebrew word Ariel, and it means literally Lion-like. Beniah's first notable challenge was when two of the mightiest warriors that Moab could field evidently came to challenge him one by one to -to man-to-man combat. If you remember the story of David and Goliath, it was fashionable back in those days to have one nation's champion face another nation's champion, and whoever's champion won, well, the other nation would be servants to them. Similar situation, I'm sure. But you know what? Benaiah slew them both. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And without much effort, it seems, because otherwise, I think there'd be a little bit more description about the battles. Evidently, they were bred for him. You know, he ran right through them like a hot knife through butter. Amen. Hallelujah. Moab sent the best that they had, and their best was not enough. Beniah was triumphant. Listen, the enemy will take his best shot, but you know what? If you stand on the word, and you stand in the power of the Holy Ghost, you will be triumphant, no matter what he throws at you. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I've got raisin from the dead power on the inside of me. I've got universe creating power on the inside of me. What enemy could hope to prevail over me? Amen. Hallelujah. I believe the reason the lion-like men mentioned, and if you study it out, they they were fierce, they were courageous... And they had an appearance and the strength of lions. So they were just not ordinary warriors. They were formidable foes. And yet, he was triumphant over both of them. So I believe the reason these lion-like men were mentioned in this verse is to chronicle what I consider to be intermediate challenges. Ones that would lead to even greater challenges. That's the way it is in our life of faith. We face great challenges, and we have great victories, which embolden us to face even greater challenges, greater foes, and see yet more victories. Amen? Hallelujah. The Moabite warriors were strong and fierce, but the next challenge Benaiah would face was a real lion with greater strength, powerful claws, and razor-sharp teeth. You know, I was reading just the other night that Some male lions grow to be as large as 550 pounds. What hope could a human being, even one of the largest warriors you could imagine, have against such a creature if he were not anointed by the Spirit of God? What hope would you have? You would have no hope. And let me take the opportunity to let you know that in the natural, you are no match for spirit beings demonic angels and principalities. You are no match for them in the natural. So don't approach them or come against them in the natural. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You have spiritual power to deal with a spiritual enemy. And even the most powerful demon in the world has no power against you if you come against him in the name of Jesus. Just remember that. Don't be afraid. The biggest and the baddest that the enemy can throw at you are nothing compared to you empowered by the Spirit of God and wielding the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So with each victory the Lord emboldens us and equips us to face more formidable battles and more formidable foes that lay ahead. So let's talk about the lion in the pit. Now, I've read our main text in a number of translations, and it seems clear to me that Beniah intentionally chased this lion into a pit for the express purpose of killing it. Okay, Seems kind of self-evident, but I just felt like I needed to say that but you have to read between the lines a bit to fill in the details that led to this extraordinary exploit. You have to remember that during this time about 1000 BC there were still wild animals that roamed the wilderness between major cities and villages. Yet be careful which path and which road you took because wild animals were a factor and lions did attack people from time to time. Perhaps there was a rogue lion that was terrorizing the rural areas surrounding the vicinity of Kabzael, the decision was made to do something about it before anyone else was killed or maimed. I'm using a little bit of imagination, but I, I believe the Holy Ghost gave me license to do that. Since the word translated as pit actually comes from a Hebrew word that means cistern or well, it seems likely to me that this was a coordinated effort to trap and kill this rogue lion. I believe the pit mentioned was either an abandoned well or a pit that was dug ahead of time and that natural obstacles were built around it so that noisemakers could funnel this lion into the trap towards the lightly covered hidden pit. Once the lion fell into the pit, someone had to volunteer to jump into the pit and kill the lion. The pit was chosen so that the lion could not escape. But the one who jumped into the pit couldn't escape either. (laughs) Amen. He had to fight a lion at close quarters, probably with a spear in his hand and a sword at his side. Can you imagine doing such a thing on purpose? (laughs) Maybe somebody could fall into a pit. Oh, my God, there's a lion in front of me. But somebody jumped in on purpose. Is it any surprise that Beniah was the one who rose to the occasion, considering his growing reputation as a mighty man of valor? Now, perhaps he thought to himself, I I think this is probably pretty close to what he thought. One of two things is going to happen when I jump into that pit. Either the lion is going to die, or I'm going to die. But I was built by Jehovah. I was made for this. This is who I am. That lion is as good as dead. And then he jumped in and finished the job. Glory to God. Talk about courage. Anybody ever been to the zoo and seen one of those lions? You ever heard a lion roar? I remember we were at the Knoxville Zoo and we, we were standing. I mean, we were all the way on the other side of the zoo from the lion cages and this big lion let out a roar. And I mean, it made, I just, it was just like this fear came over me. I thought, imagine how much more, how much more intense that would be if there were no bars between the lion and me. I'm telling you, a lion's roar will just freeze you. It'll mobilize you, which is the intention. To make you an easy prey. I don't know how I got off on that. But I'm, I'm trying to build a picture for you. This was no ordinary warrior. That was willing to jump into a pit. With a lion at close quarters. And believe that he could slay it. By the power of God. Think about it saints. Now this is. This is a lesson I want you to learn here. There are times in our lives when we face circumstances and people motivated by the devil who are dead set against us and determined to keep us from fulfilling the calling of God on our life. During those times, we have to make the decision to rise up and be the person that God has called us to be so we do the thing that God has called us to do and reach the people that God has called us to reach. Amen? How many know when Beniah jumped into that pit, he was making a commitment. I am committed to this one way or the other. Either the lion is going to die or I'm going to die. I believe I am going to be victorious. Amen. Amen. We have to commit to the plan that God has laid out for us. Even when it seems in the natural like we're not going to make it. We have to commit nevertheless. Sometimes we have to jump in with both feet and declare to all those around us, I am born again and filled with the same power that God used when He created the universe, when He raised Christ from the dead. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I was built by Jehovah. I was made for this. This is who I am. That lion or those lions are as good as dead. That needs to be your attitude. Amen? Finally, why is the time of snow significant? Now this is just my take. Why the snow? Well, it's my opinion that waiting for the time of snow was done on purpose. The snow would have made it difficult for the lion to climb out of what must have been, in my opinion, a relatively shallow pit. Deep enough to make it Difficult for the lion to get out, but shallow enough for Beniah to jump into without breaking his leg. A risky proposition, in my view, but nothing compared to facing a lion in such close quarters. But beyond the natural considerations and the careful planning that went into this endeavor, I believe the time of snow is a biblical type that is especially relevant. Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11. Isaiah declares, For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Amen. When Jehoiada declared to his family that his newborn son would be called Beniah, the prophetic word of the Lord went forth out of his mouth. He was declaring to all those around him, He shall be called built of Jehovah. Amen. He was built for a purpose and became a mighty warrior. And the snow on the ground in and around that pit as Benaiah slew the lion was a silent testimony that the word of the Lord over Beniah would be fulfilled. Amen. That word would not return void, but Benaiah would go on to become one of David's mighty men. Hallelujah. And he's mentioned prominently throughout the Old Testament, not just this one time. Just go type in Benaiah into your concordance and see how much action he saw. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now I want to talk about facing the lions in your life, and I want to share real quickly. Most of you have heard this vision, but I want to go ahead and share it with you. Early in the morning of March 24th, I had a night vision In the vision, I was standing in the middle of a grassy field. And about 50 feet in front of me, there was a row of lions facing me. Now, they were sitting on their haunches, and they were pawing at me, and they were roaring, just like the roar that I described earlier. And it was very frightening in the vision. And those lions stretched as far as I could see to the left and as far as I could see to the right. It was a solid line, and it was clear to me that I wouldn't be able to go where I needed to go unless I went through those lions. And brave man of faith that I am, when I saw these lions roaring and pawing at me, I started backpedaling a little bit, just slowly backpedaling like this. I backpedaled about 10 feet until I felt myself walking on lumps. that was almost like soft stones, these huge lumps I kept walking on. And I thought, what are these lumps And I looked down under my feet, and there were the carcasses of dead lions that were rotting and partially buried. And when I saw those lions, the Lord reminded me of past victories. These are the lions that you've already slain to get to where you are now. What makes you think you won't be able to conquer the ones that lay ahead? So immediately, I I looked up from the dead lions, I looked at the live lions, and I said to myself, I have to plan a line of attack. And I guess it was by the Spirit of God, I picked out the mightiest lion in the row who happened to be left a sinner, and I said, I have to go there to break this line so that I can get to what it is that God has called me to do. And then I came out of the vision. As I said, this one was pretty easy to interpret. You know, the dead lions were past victories, which were intended to embolden me to go on to future victories. They were my intermediate victories. Now I had even greater foes and more lions to face. The Lord was saying, you will be just as victorious over them as the ones that you are walking over now, because they're dead and gone. Amen? Glory to God. Just like I saw my past victories and was emboldened to press on, so shall it be in your life if you're willing to commit, if you're willing to jump in with both feet, if you're willing to realize you're built by Jehovah for the challenges that lay ahead, if you're bold enough to say, I was built by Jehovah. I was made for this. Those lions are as good as dead. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to learn more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.